0: Lauren, Eric, this is the first time we're ever recording this show that we're not looking at each other. Right. Well, like for the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the first time we're apart at all, right? Because we used to record in apartments, but not separate ones.
0: No, we've always been in the same location. I would say within probably six feet of each other, uh, not not abiding by CDC guidelines.
1: We, we, we got to do what we got to do. But I have missed you so much.
0: I could go either way. No, just kidding. Eric
1: can give or take, Lauren. It's fine. I, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I understand.
0: So, everything's crazy. I think people wanted us to come back weeks ago, but I didn't want to because, I don't know, I mean, to be real, like, I don't know that I'm doing very well. I'm As I was telling Lauren before the show, I'm doing better than probably most people, at least on paper, but I also just feel like garbage, which I think pretty much everyone can relate to right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we had some people asking us when we were going to come back, and then around the time the comic came out, I was really excited about coming back, and you weren't really there yet. But it's really understandable. Both of us have a lot of new things going on. Um, Can you give us a couple of of the updates, especially maybe about your business?
0: Yeah, well, it's weird because nothing about my life is the same as it was six months ago. Like Shira is is one of the only constants. So like, yeah, I spent three years opening a restaurant and then closed it after one month. So we're currently doing um, takeout and delivery. And I mean, I don't know. It's it's fine. It gives us something to do. Most of our staff is still employed. We're we're making it through. Hopefully, uh, we'll come back nice and strong. But we just lost all this momentum that we had and. I don't know, man. It's a crazy time. But if you feel like you want some food and a board game, you can go to chicagodinnerandgame.com and pick up or we'll deliver to you.
1: I've been wanting to do that. I, I the, the idea of getting alcohol delivered to me sounds still so like forbidden and grown up. And I have to remind myself, like you're in your 30s. You're allowed to do what you want, including having booze delivered to you. There's no adult that has to like check and tell you that it's okay. As for me, uh, some of my stuff has changed. Some of it hasn't. So I'm still in grad school, but now it's remote. I'm a lot further along than I was last time we all kind of hung out together. Uh, Same partner, same apartment. But there were some big, huge changes. I have a different job now. I no longer work at the optometry college. I no longer work in nonprofits at all. Um, I got a new gig and... It started right as the pandemic hit, and so I did my interview in a cushy office downtown and have not worked there a single day.
0: What's it like jumping into a whole new work situation when you can't leave your house?
1: I found it incredibly stressful. Um, This is my first corporate, like, actual for-profit work in over a decade, and it's in a field where I have no experience. So I'm doing communications. I'm a communications professional And that, you know, the job duty is fine and my responsibilities I understand and the tools I'm supposed to use, I understand, but I'm working in energy now. And I've had to learn a lot about nuclear power in a very short time and uh, like power grids, uh, you know, and like updating power grids to better serve densely populated urban areas. I don't know anything about any of that. And so I find myself doing all this intense research and maybe it's better that I'm home alone because when I'm trying to like translate the website of the only nuclear power plant in Romania with Google Translate, it's better to just be by myself and have nobody looking over my shoulder seeing how awkward I am. I also got a new dog uh, and I was telling Eric right before we started here that it kind of feels like the old days of the podcast. I'm back sitting in my apartment being harassed by a puppy.
0: This dog's not banging on the mic stand yet, but no, maybe soon.
1: No, but she is like making gnawing sounds and jingling sounds, and we'll probably have some in the recording. So her name is Junebug, and uh, don't mind her.
0: Well, welcome, Junebug. Uh, it's nice to be back. I hope, uh, I hope people uh, are happy to hear us. I know I've really taken solace in a lot of the... Uh, the media that I, I loved pre-quarantine has felt more present. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we got um, some Animal Crossing came back around. Final Fantasy 7 came back around.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what I care about is Final Fantasy. This is going to be a Final Fantasy podcast Apparently, now.
1: Inuyasha came back around. And, like, anime from my childhood is what I'm into. So I'll talk about that. And we'll just all sit <laughs> and pretend that the last several years didn't happen. Uh, except except yeah. for Shira, we wanted that one to happen.
0: So anyway, with that said, uh, you ready to talk about the show and stuff?
1: Let's do it. I have so much to tell you. So let's... After such a long time away, welcome to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. My name is Lauren.
0: My name is Eric.
1: And gosh, this outline in front of us, it just it's, it's so long. So much fandom stuff has happened, I guess, as we approach the fifth season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power.
0: Fifth and final. Fifth
1: and final. I appreciate that, though. We've said that on this show a bunch of times. I love when a fandom just has a story and they tell the story from beginning to middle to end, and then they just stop, and it's over. And we all get to remember it in its perfect little, like, marble form. Unlike you, Supernatural.
0: Uh, Yeah, there's been a lot of news coming out lately about the Kevin Smith He-Man, too, so it seems like, you know, people who are into the Motu pop fandom in general will have a new show to jump to, and people who just like She-Ra will have this nice little you know, package of of goodness that was a finite story, which I want to talk about He-Man real quick. This is not our outline, but I just remembered a a headline I read the other day that said, Kevin Smith's He-Man will be Game of Thrones without the nudity or the dragons. And, I mean, the nudity, obviously, right? But, like, dragons are actually a substantial part of the Masters of the universe world. <laughs> like we're not gonna throw out granomir are we? There's, guys come on. There's a couple Granamere. of ways.
1: There's a couple of ways that I can read that quote that I don't like because the other thing is we did keep some things from Game of Thrones, such as incest. That's not good mm. either. Like maybe we shouldn't have made that comparison. I think I think and some editor should have stopped that one.
0: Yeah, it was probably an overzealous like nerd culture which that's a term that I hate, but like nerd culture writer um, trying to sell this new He-Man show. But how about we just say it's like a continuation of He-Man? And I know we've talked about this before, but that's the other thing that I hate people saying about it is, and Kevin himself is saying this, oh, it picks right up after, immediately after the last episode of the original show. But there wasn't any serial progress in the original show. So, like, what does that mean? The last episode is meaningless. Like, what happened in that had the same impact on the the story as what happened in the first episode nothing changed in the whole show
1: well that just means the bar is really low and all of the <laughs> fanboys are going to be really easily pleased
0: that's probably true of, of yeah. course
1: they're going to love it right
0: well i don't know though because we've already seen some backlash about oh i don't like anime designs or like And then, weirdly, some people being like, I don't want them to make it more adult, which feels like the opposite of what people always say. I know we've talked about this, too, but it's like, I I think people ultimately are just set on, like, not liking things. Me, I'll I'll try it, and if I don't like it, I just will not watch it.
1: Well, I was gonna watch it, but if there aren't any dragons in it, dragons are a huge part of my brand, and I'm not sure I have time for this anymore.
0: I just think it's foolish to disregard Granomir. You guys, Granomir, he was in Shira too. Everyone loves Granomir. Okay, thank you. Anyway. <laughs> good Ted talk. Um, good Ted Yeah, welcome to my talk about Granamere. Uh, I think that's another character maybe Larry Tilio pulled from his uh, D&D adventures, which I was thinking about that um, a few days ago, our fun little session with Logan Dean that we released last year.
1: Is something like that possible remotely? Us trying to do a, a like let's play remotely would be a real feat.
0: I mean that it, it's definitely possible. I I would guess that, I'll, if I know in fact some Shira writers are playing D D right now over Zoom. So and and for my work we're looking into that as well. Um, am I committing myself to doing that? I don't know, but <laughs> it certainly is possible. Granamir. Um, <laughs> We should also, so we did some life updates. There's a lot to talk about with Shira, but there's also stuff going on culturally. Um, really two big buckets of things, the first of which we already addressed the quarantine and uh, maybe not even the right term, but like the shelter in place. Most of us are going through the COVID. Um, really a horrible time. I think, I mean, I always kind of suspected something really catastrophic would happen during a Trump presidency. I thought it would be a world war. Um, I'm not saying that still couldn't happen, but what we've got right now is, is a pandemic that the U.S. was woefully underprepared for. So how about that?
1: Yeah, when we said, what politics are we going to cover? It's been so long, and we really try to inject the political slant into what we talk about. But the world, the entire world, is just sort of dominated by this one talking point right now. Maybe, it, maybe more so with us because we're still in the thick of it. We're not getting better as a country. We're just, I guess, going to try to open up anyway, which I'm terrified about.
0: Yeah, we're not getting better. We're getting tired.
1: Right. We're just getting exhausted and uh, people are starting to throw around language like, well, I don't want to be a hostage forever or like I'm not scared. And I think what people have to remember, not to just immediately get on a soapbox about this, but I am, is no part of this can you say is your choice that only affects you. You cannot possibly choose to go back out in society and go back to your job and go back to the store and get a haircut and not affect somebody else's freedom in the process. You maybe would be forcing your hairdresser to go back to work when they didn't want to, or maybe you don't get sick, but your office cubicle mate goes home and they live with their immunosuppressed grandmother and that grandmother gets sick. And no, they won't be able to trace it back to you, and you would never necessarily know that you did that, but you still affected other people. Like, we live in a society, and I feel like the very reasonable price we all pay to live in a society is to just look out for one another and occasionally do some stuff that sucks a little, so in a shorter amount of time, we can all go back to having good lives. And this is getting very frustrating to me, but with my frustration, I'm not going to tear my mask off and just run out into the street.
0: Nice Joker quote there. Yeah, I mean this says a lot about Americans' relationship to expertise and to like out of sight, out of mind. Because like it, it just reeks of like this totally boneheaded Skeletor, um, (laughs) boneheaded notion of
1: good one, but
0: exceptionalism that like, well, I won't get sick, so. And I can do whatever I want because this is a free country. It's like, maybe just try looking out for other people, though. And understand that, like, we're all in this situation. And the best way to get through it is to just be cool with each other. And, like, help each other not infect people. Uh, Also, there's, like, this false binary presented between, like, saving the economy and saving lives... Why not just have socialism, right? Like, why don't we just support people and pay people to stay at home? And then the economy wouldn't be a worry. But these people, you know, they don't want to see a, quote, welfare state or whatever. Well, there
1: are so many things. But that's what's
0: going to keep us alive.
1: Yeah, and not to interrupt, but there are so many things that I think, you know, socialism is a scary word to some people. And universal basic income, I agree with. Not everyone does. But there are so many issues that I feel like you could stand up and fight for that would help a situation like this from you know, stopping it from ever happening again. You could fight for a higher minimum wage. You could fight for insurance not being tied to your employer or insurance companies not being for profit. You could fight for student loan forgiveness so all of the debt that's crippling people isn't anymore. And when we pull out of this nosedive, Suddenly, everyone feels a lot more financially secure. There are so many different things. I mean, free education. How many social services could we have instilled that would prevent this problem that we have now, where so many Americans, after losing one to two paychecks, can't survive and are feeling like they need to get back to work or they're going to starve or they're going to be homeless? My heart just breaks for those people, but I don't think the answer is... Let's lick the boot and go back to work harder. That's some animal farm bullshit. This is, like, our opportunity to really think about the society that we want to have. And the idea that, like, let's just open up and let people die, that's our only option. Not only is it really sad, but it's downright uncreative.
0: Yeah, and it just speaks to how, like, the ruling class has tricked people into thinking that this kind of, like, self-sacrifice is noble because maybe one day they'll have some dollars, too. And I I hate it. And the other day, I had a really sobering thought of, like, obviously Donald Trump was, like, the worst possible president for this era. But can you imagine, like, what if... I know we're not supposed to relitigate 2016, but what if we had President Bernie Sanders? Can you imagine the executive orders that would have been going out a few months ago? Like, it would have been fucking incredible, man. I'm sure the Republicans in Congress would have had a fit. But, like... What a world that would have been. Well, context, but speaking of, yeah, I was
1: going to say, that takes us to our next point. Yeah. It's not going to be Bernie Sanders this year either.
0: Right. Um, pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, really disappointing way that the Democratic primaries wrapped. So Lauren and I have both been fans of uh, Elizabeth Warren for the whole time. And I think we both warmed to Bernie as well. Um, especially when it got down, when it became clear that Warren was not going to get the, the juice. And I, people keep talking about how this went and I, I feel like we can't emphasize enough, like everyone's argument pro Biden is like, yes, the people chose him and voted for him. True. Asterisk. Remember how the day before super Tuesday, every centrist candidate dropped out of the election, even ones who were doing much better than Joe Biden. Like, I definitely think there was some kind of coordination here to, like, make sure that the socialists didn't win.
1: Yeah, the idea of unity and rallying was probably put at the forefront of the Democrats. Just, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, like, it was to make Bernie lose. But it was certainly like, let's start firing people up against Trump in a unified way faster. But the problem is... Oh, Joe doesn't inspire people that way, at least not the people I hang out with.
0: Man, I for sure think it was to to make Bernie lose because he was poised to take Super Tuesday. Uh, and I think Pete dropping out for sure, like gave Joe enough fire to to stage a huge comeback because a couple of weeks prior, you know, Biden was more or less out like everyone was like, well, if he can't perform in South Carolina, he doesn't have a shot. And then Pete drops out. Amy drops out uh am i forgetting some some other centrist person i th- oh um bloomberg dropped although are, i don't know how much that mattered in the long run but yeah i don't know man I, it it's really disheartening and you're absolutely right like i i was on the train of like biden's fine but so uninspiring and now i'm starting to think he's not even fine i kind of think he should drop out for reasons
1: yeah there are A lot of really depressingly familiar narratives being thrown around Joe Biden right now, namely um, just the Me Too-related accusations of harassment and assault. And it really depresses me to see people who I feel like should know better really waving the flag of like, well, at least it's not Donald Trump. Just the fact that it isn't Donald Trump who... Obviously, I think, is uh, not only a rapist, but puts children in cages and is just maybe the most despicable, cartoonishly evil human being I could imagine. That doesn't mean, like, great, now's the time to bring in someone subpar for the Democrats because, God, any old person can beat Trump. Like, I think that's the mistake we made last time.
0: Yes, and there's a lot of really bad and gross arguments about why the allegations against Biden maybe shouldn't matter. And it it feels very familiar. Uh, it's all sorts of hand shit like, okay, like people are conceding that the charges against him are about as reliable as the charges against Brett Kavanaugh, right? And so the conclusions are drawing are like, yeah, but the presidency isn't a Supreme Court seat because people vote on the presidency. It's like, are you fucking kidding? Is that really your argument? Is that... If if it mattered to people, they wouldn't vote for a rapist. Like we can't let that be the place we fall back to. Well, for sure. And by the
1: time that ballot got to several states, there wasn't a a choice anymore.
0: Right. Or or this argument that like, well, it's only four years versus lifetime—four, eight years. Fucking still, man. Like the thing that irks me the most about this is that Republicans now have this. Well it's not the thing that irks me most, I'm sorry. The thing that irks me most is that men in power are shitty and get away with a lot of stuff. But politically, Republicans now have this this um kind of hold over us because they can say you're being you have a double standard, and they're right. This is a double standard.
1: Yeah, I like, agree.
0: That's not good. We we have given them power because for some reason people really think that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump. I'm not convinced he could before these allegations.
1: No, I have big fear that we're in for another four Trump years. I just, it keeps me up at night. And there were so many people that dropped out that I felt much more strongly about. And to think that, like, doesn't matter in 2020, this is the best someone decided we can do. It's not surprising to me that younger people don't go to vote because if this what this is what happens, why would you feel like anyone's listening to you?
0: Yeah, our friend Chris Geiger likes to say that the reason young people feel disenfranchised is because since 2000, you know, no there hasn't really been a, a circumstance where people like young people have actually had the power to affect change politically in a meaningful way very often. So it's easy to see why they feel like their vote doesn't matter and why their opinion doesn't matter. And in fact, the party apparatus tends to pretend that it doesn't. So like, how, how do you blame these people?
1: Yeah. I think the people in power would like to see a bunch of young people show up and campaign for Joe Biden. And like, that's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: It's not. So what else
1: are you willing to do for them to get them to participate and care about their country?
0: And to me, the most like compelling response is like centrist Democrats swear that Biden is the best candidate because he will appeal to the middle. Now, I don't think the middle exists. We've talked about this. But if it does, shouldn't all these people backing Biden spend their time trying to convert wishy-washy Republicans versus progressive leftists? who, let's be honest, are probably going to vote for Joe Biden anyway. Like, I think Biden sucks, and I'm definitely voting for him.
1: Yeah, another sort of middle-related argument is, like, Trump is so radically to the— I mean, I don't even know if I'd call it the right anymore, just, like, downright fascist, that we have to be, like, meaningful and careful with bringing the country to the left. And I keep seeing people be like, okay, well, this time it's going to be Biden— But then after that, we can have someone like Bernie. And I don't think that's how this works. I think we have four years of Joe Biden making very moderate or even borderline Republican policy. And then the Republicans still acting like it was all too extreme and it was all too much. And then their next candidate drags the middle even further to the right. I personally think the only answer to the extremity of Donald Trump is extremity like fight fire with fire as they say and just a sort of middling let's go back to how it was before trump really is tone deaf in an era where before trump there was a lot of people who were being oppressed and saying that the country wasn't good enough anyway
0: a hundred percent agree and i think we see that with obama like he campaigned as a progressive but governed quite moderately i i think not out of necessarily uh I, I think Obama was someone who always tried to compromise, right? I think he was, like, a good guy who was very middling on policy. And exactly what you said happened. Republicans acted like we had some some communists in the White House and then snapped back way further than, than before. It's absurd, and that's going to keep happening. Because while we're trying to compromise and find common ground, they're stewing and, and you know, writing manifestos on 4chan and figuring out how to, like, quietly... Um, destroy people of a race that isn't theirs,
1: and you know, making the Supreme Court talk about like birth control and abortion again—like we're going to just yeah. our entire lives, we're just going to spend on the same issues if something extreme doesn't occur.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, Joe Biden sucks. I think the best case scenario is he, which I don't think this is going to happen. But if he picks Warren as a running mate. And then either steps down or, like, I mean, I'm not saying I hope this happens. I genuinely don't. But he is not necessarily in good shape. And there are a lot of health issues out there right now attacking older people. Well, that I don't of think itself, we can rule this out. That
1: in, I mean, that's ghoulish, Eric. But that in and of itself is a huge problem. Like, the candidates for president and the presidents themselves keep getting older and older. Trump is so old. Bernie is so old. It's like one generation of people keeps aging, but not passing the presidency down. Um, and then, you know, just taking it back to yet another reason young people don't feel represented. We get record-settingly old candidates over and over who are worried about, well, maybe this one will have a heart attack. Maybe this one's eating too much McDonald's. Maybe we wouldn't have to worry about that if we actually, like, loosened our grip a little bit and let some and when I say young people 50s not young either but for heaven's sake
0: right uh I hope AOC makes a run in 2024 I think she'll be eligible but that's obviously off the table right now Oh she won't be eligible in 2024 I'm sorry she's only 30 right now
1: It's fine I think she uh I don't want to be the person who's like let her grow into it a little bit more but I think she needs to not do do nothing on her part i think the world needs to tone down on her being such a meme it just feels it feels so radical right now to have aoc existing like to have someone who i can look at and actually feel like that's a person like me who enjoys some of the things that i like and stands for some of the things that i stand for it would be buck wild for the first person to ever make me feel seen in politics to like have a successful political run, like I want her to run when she actually has a shot of not just being torpedoed out of the sky as the only person like that.
0: See, I I hear you, but also I think to me that's part of the fighting fire with fire is she plays this game so well. She's such a good personality. I don't know, man. I mean, I I really love this woman, and I I think she could take it even now, but we'll have to wait till twenty twenty eight to find out for sure. Okay, she We, To my mind, there are three things we need to cover before we get to season five. Uh, Lauren, does that number ring true to you? Yes. All right, so we've got an original graphic novel, Legend of the Fire Princess. We've got some toys, and we've got an album.
1: Yes, so I think in chronological order... We can begin with The Legend of the Fire Princess. And we got this graphic novel quite some time ago. We as in like we bought it forever ago, but also it's not new that this got published. And
0: No, it came out in like February, I think.
1: What's even more striking about that is that this graphic novel is set a lot earlier in the timeline of the show than the show that was currently airing.
0: Right, so it's set somewhere I think in the middle of like kind of season two three-ish it's a little nondescript essentially it follows the story of uh, a princess we didn't know about the fire princess it's very like we've talked about how shira can be a little avatar-y this is very avatar so they travel to the kingdom of the fire princess whose like runestone power kind of corrupted her and she burned it all down and uh adora and Katra are both trying to get the runestone for their respective sides Uh, The comic is cool. I enjoyed it. It feels a lot like a bottle episode to me. Like, not really anything of consequence happens. Um, They learn about this princess, but don't get the rune stone. And then there's, like, inspiring lessons about friendship. And then that's it.
1: Yeah, so there's some imagery in this one that's kind of jarring to see. Uh, Angela's still alive. Everyone is still in their old costumes. And uh, the... Some of the side-switching hasn't happened yet, so Scorpia is still with Catra and Trapta is still over with the Horde. I'll just say what I didn't like about this comic, so (laughs) the the thing that really struck me over the head as jarring, more than those things I just named, was the fact that the Fire Princess story involves a quote-unquote dearest friend, and it's very clearly... Like, drawn or conceived of as a lesbian relationship. And when the fire princess finally emerges, her dearest friend is in the arms of someone else. But instead of like kissing or doing anything explicitly romantic, there's like this weird, like, pinky swear friendship thing that they're doing. And it just, um, I think it kind of flies in the face of what She is trying to do. It really waters down the acceptance of all different types of relationships it's like they shied away from the idea that a woman could love another woman and i don't know it it stuck with me as i read the entire thing
0: that's interesting i noticed this book has like a scholastic logo on it i don't know whether this is true but i suspect that like if this is the kind of thing they're marketing at like book fairs around the country for grade schoolers they there might have been some editorial directives to like not show same-sex relationships explicitly oh for
1: sure and if that oh. came if that book fair came through like the Catholic school I went to when I was a kid it would be an uproar so you're probably right
0: but you're like right at the same time that like if you're watching the cartoon and then you buy this book it's like you already have these ideas in your head you know
1: yeah that said there are things I really enjoyed. Um, there are moments that show a facial expression that I think is really meaningful the show and the comic book alike are great at showing emotion or showing uh, thoughts and feelings without words. So there's an example where Scorpia puts out an elaborate picnic for Katra, and Catra gets this sort of warmed, shocked look on her face. It's this very anime, like, oh, kind of noticing Scorpia again, you know, for the first or second time and breaking breaking the shell, the ice a little bit just to really actually see her, the affections of Scorpia clearly. I think that was a really nice drawing. And then similarly, Adora and Catra uh, notice each other and who they're spending time with and who they're friends with. Like, uh, She-Ra gets to see Katra with Entrapta and Scorpia, and there's a moment of jealousy that they loop back around to at the end. Adora admits that it's hard to see her friend with other people, even though her friend is making bad choices. Um... And there's a, that moment's drawn really well, too. You just see, like, pain on their faces, even though they're not saying anything.
0: Yeah, I like the art in general. I think it's really neat to see. Like, obviously, this is inspired by Noel Stevenson's overall art direction for the series. But it also has a a style of its own by uh, Paulina Ganacho. I think I probably said that name correctly. Yeah, I like it. I, I think it it definitely has its own personality. And I enjoyed the pictures very much. I also thought the Scorpia catcher scenes in general were my... Like, that was my favorite part of the book. I thought they were charming. They have, like, a nice little picnic. It's sweet. Uh, You really feel for Scorpia. She's definitely my fave in here.
1: Yeah, those scenes were hard to stomach for me in their sweetness because we already know what happens to those two. So, uh, Scorpia's really, like, bleeding heart desperation. Like, you know what she's going to get in return for that in the show, and it's sad. My favorite bit of dialogue in this was during the kind of final battle, She-Ra tells Katra, I don't have time for this. And Katra says, then make time. And it's in the moment, it's about the battle, but it's actually about <laughs> their entire relationship. Like Katra has just not felt like Adora made time for her and made space for her or prioritized her. And now that she has other friends, Catra's basically saying in a big way, pay attention to me, I'm making you look at me again and that relationship is something I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, whatever's going to happen with them in Season 5. The rainbow power comes back in this comic. There's some cute, funny moments. We learn Rogelio is a chef, and we see the sword turn into a baseball bat. Not really sure why that choice was made, but it's cute. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I really... You know, this, this comic is okay. It really was just okay for me, but the last couple of pages, I think, sell it. The theme or the final like point of this comic is that you can miss someone if from your past, even if they hurt you, and even if you don't want them back, and you're better off now, uh, but you can still be sad. And for obvious reasons, that really hit home for me, and that's still something that I need to hear as an adult sometimes. And so I think it's a cool message to send to kids.
0: Uh, thing two on our list. Cause this is going to be a long episode. Uh, so Sonic Drive-In uh, got some nifty Shira toys.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm told I have some that belong to me, but I have never seen them. So describe them to me, Eric.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have two sets of gifts at my apartment because we haven't seen each other in so long. Um. I mean, I actually should go get the box. We're going to do an unboxing video except audio. Okay. All right. Lauren, Vample, ta- vamp while I go get the box. Okay.
1: So Eric said that there were two sets of gifts at his apartment waiting for me. And one I think we already talked about. It was a gift from Jacob, our uh, fan friend, listener. And he sent us some Shadow Weaver toys and some vintage stuff. Including a folder that I was going to use for school, but seeing how this is all going, uh, I'm probably going to be graduated before I get to use that. Uh, The Sonic toys, I believe, were sent to us by our friends at DreamWorks. There is a Sonic in Chicago, and I wanted to go and do the drive-through, but I really only liked like 50% of the toys, and I was really fussy over if we were going to get ones that I wanted, and we got them all. Are you back?
0: I'm back. And so here, let's talk about what's in here. There is a, um, inflatable sword. Heck yeah. There is a swift wind minifigure. Oh no, a straw buddy. Yeah. this Plastic or metal, I'm sure. i pretty pumped
1: about the straw buddies because there's an imp one, right?
0: Well, don't spoil okay. it. Um there's a little Hordak bobblehead. I like that one a lot. What's oh, a
1: bobblehead? And then a,
0: sh- yeah, and then a She-Ra bobblehead.
1: That's way better. Then... I didn't realize they bobbled when I saw the pictures.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, it looks like there's also a golden She-Ra bobblehead. And then the PSD resistance, of course, even though Lauren spoiled it, is the Imp Straw Buddy, which is truly marvelous. <laughs> I... However. Guys, I got. A, I bought a really nice microphone for this podcast. By the way, that's why you hear all this business. It's in the like background. an ASMR
1: video. You're like just crinkling things.
0: Greg also sent. Um, I mean, people are going to be. We should probably take pictures of this. He says, as an extra surprise at the bottom of the box, are some original production art from our Korean studio. They are hand drawn and one of a kind. So Lauren and I now have a cell of Katra and Adora touching each other's faces and looking angry. Glimmer scowling at Bo, who looks upset that he hurt his friend. Uh, Catra doing some business with her hands while looking angry. And Adora raising the sword, looking angry. These are genuinely amazing, and I can't fucking believe that we have these. Uh,
1: I was just asking my friend Ray if he would do some custom framing for me. Uh, and I have some things that I need framed. Two out of three of them are already She-Ra things. I have some She-Ra paper art, and then a like laughing fan art that's sort of like Adora's drawing in that hey YouTube video style. And I might just maybe get these frames, too. They sound so cool. Wow, that's a lot of noise, yeah.
0: Eric. <laughs> I know. Well, this is a good microphone, you guys. I take this seriously. So. Anyway, thank you, Greg. Thanks for listening to this ASMR business. This is truly incredible. Cool. So, that yeah, Sonic toys, very good. I've still never had Sonic to eat, but uh, toys are sweet. And then the most relevant thing to us that's come out, because she was our last guest, and we talked about this not knowing it was real, uh, Suna Weirmeyer's soundtrack for she has, as of this past Friday, been released to all the digital platforms I listened to it today, and it is very, very good. Yeah,
1: literally our last episode. That's how long it's been. We asked Sona if she thought that was going to happen, and she legitimately didn't know. And it's now here. Yeah, so
0: the yeah, like four months later, the product went from like it may or may not exist to it. It has been professionally released. Um, it's twenty tracks. Nineteen of them are uh, like background music from the show. Every track is labeled after an episode title, which means I think there are spoily titles uh, because three of the episode titles I, or three of the track names I did not recognize. Yes,
1: the last four tracks are minor spoilers. I read that on someone's Twitter, maybe Shane's.
0: Well, the last track is is kind of a compilation of ending themes. It's like 10 minutes long and it's like a medley of post of like credit songs. Um, but, yeah, they're all, all the, like, the ones that you, like, the hummable melodies are in here. Uh, Princess Prom is in here. This is, like, really just genuinely very good background music. That, uh, like, symph- uh, instrumental music that I will enjoy playing over and over again while I, like, play games and do work and stuff. So, uh, But the first track, speaking of Greg, <laughs> um, so AJ Machalka re-recorded the She-Ra theme Warriors for this record. Um, and it was this the version of the song featured in the Season 5 trailer. And Greg commented on our Facebook page that he's been waiting to hear what I had to say about this For cover.
1: months, so don't make us wait for, anymore.
0: Okay. I really, really liked it. To me, this salvages the song. And it all goes back to that fucking article in Jezebel or whatever, about how the song is a power ballad. Now it actually more or less is. Like, the instrumentation is not is not what I would call power ballady, ballady necessarily, but the pacing of the song, the dramatics of the song, the delivery, it feels very 80s. In fact, uh, Inside Baseball, Lauren and I have, have for years talked about doing a, um, an actual power ballad take on the song, but recording music when you don't have a band or a studio is really hard to, like, make it sound good. But I had sketched out a version that wasn't super dissimilar in, like, pacing or in uh, in beat from this. There's, like, this bass drum that's kind of, like, accentuating the measures in the background that I think is very cool over, like, kind of more of a an ethereal, pardon the pun, uh, like, guitar instrument thing. Uh, my In my head, like the Power ballad version of this song sounds like Foolin' by Def Leppard, and AJ's version of Warriors is much, much closer than the Aaliyah Rose version. Yeah,
1: when we had talked about making our own cover, the main thing that I wanted to do was slow it down a little bit, and now I feel like if we do our cover, we're going to sound like we're ripping off AJ, because she made a lot of the choices that I think was in both of our heads, like you said.
0: Right, it would be very hard to um, make a ball- a power ballad version that didn't sound like this. Like, I still, if it were me, I would like rock it out just a little bit. But I really do like this arrangement, and yeah, I'm so, Greg, you you got it, man, you nailed this one. <laughs> Good. I hope you're happy with my review. I I just
1: want this to come out on vinyl, and I know that's probably too much to ask, but. Maybe not. There are so many companies that are, you know, like the Yeti, you know, like Banshee, all these websites, they do like small batch vinyls of like obscure video game soundtracks. I have the video game soundtrack to Golf Story, and that came from one of those websites. So maybe I'm not dreaming too big. I would like that the most. I have a little... um, Setup where I play my records on top of a like vintage stove that I have from the 40s, and it's just very on brand for me. And I records vinyl records are currently my top choice for like playing music for my friends.
0: So, honestly, this is like such a fucking mouth breather thing to say that I'm embarrassed. I'm about to say this, but the only thing that I don't like about the She Ra album is that. Okay, it's 90 minutes long. Now, it has no physical release. Now, what that says to me is this is an ill portent for the future where artists will just make records that are however long they want them to be. And you might say, Eric, isn't that good? Don't we want artists to create what they want? And I would say, no, the best art comes from having limitations. So I just went through and made a playlist uh, from the last 50 years, 1970 to 2019, of my favorite songs every year. And I always limit the playlist to an hour 20 because you can only burn CDs at 80 minutes. Because if I didn't have that limitation, I it would be a fucking free-for-all. So this makes me stretch or edit down to 80 minutes. And I see a 92-minute album, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is anarchy, Lauren. So there is no physical release is what I'm saying, and thus there is no limitation to how long this record would have been now all in all getting a soundtrack that is as long as it needs to be i think is a perfectly reasonable thing but if we're going to just leave behind the restrictions of time that come with physical media i am going to have a very bad time with the music industry going forward
1: yeah we saw this happening a little bit where an album would come out and then a deluxe version of the album would come out where it was clearly like there's four more songs that were like real close to making it and didn't, and here they are. But this is, yeah, this is definitely a step further into just relentless territory.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I, again, ultimately, this is a me thing because I like my albums to have uh, to be just so, especially because like this is very pleasant music, right? But if I'm going to listen to something for the first time and it's 92 minutes. I don't know that I'm going to make it through.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm notorious for falling asleep during movies. (laughs) And so this is like movie length. I don't know if I'd make it. But I'm glad it exists. I'm so glad it exists because we were asking for it. And frankly, I could see a bigger release of it. I mean, there are lots of songs that aren't on here.
0: Yes, right. I agree. Um, But again, it it is very, very good. And I also am am very glad that it exists. So thank you very much to DreamWorks and Suna for... Making this cool Thank thing. you,
1: Sunna, also for coming on our show again. Hopefully, maybe we could talk to her again now that this all happened. Uh, speaking of playlists, by the way, we did get some fan mail that we're going to interject throughout this very long episode. Maybe we can release this episode in two parts. We'll talk about it later. Um, we got an email from, well, a Facebook message from Tom Porter. And Tom Porter was listening to us and said, at the time, he had just gotten through season two of our show. He says, I'm loving your predictions, theories, and rants about things which were unrevealed at the time. It really makes one appreciate just how well the stories are written, particularly of Mara's fate and the truth about the heart of Etheria. I, I tend to not go back and listen to our stuff after the week it releases, and I'm wondering, maybe I should, just to see how accurate we were back in the day. Uh, But Tom's main point was to talk about Noelle's She-Ra playlist. I think we brought this up sort of vaguely on the show before. Maybe Noelle herself even mentioned it. But uh, there is a playlist that still exists on Spotify. It's just called She-Ra, and it's on Noelle's account. Uh, And Tom says that uh, this was the playlist that Noelle was listening to when she was working on she conceiving of the characters writing the stories. He says, with the knowledge that there is possibly a causal relationship between the song choices and the show, the playlist seems to explain a lot about both the energy of the show and specific character personalities. Eric, have you ever actually looked through Noelle's playlist?
0: I have. Uh, I need to look at it harder, but... Noelle has a very, very good taste in music. Now, we got to talk to her about, like, Kate Bush and stuff when she was on the show, but I love Noelle's music curation, and this is the kind of thing that exactly appeals to me. So, yeah, I... uh I haven't dived in as like the music geek that I am, but yeah, it's fucking great.
1: I hadn't looked at it before, and I looked at it, I think, for the first time. And there was some stuff that I know we talked about, like obviously churches was on there. We brought that up a few times. There was a ton of '80s pop and a little bit more '80s rock than I expected. There was ABBA, some Queen. Um, One song that so I full disclosure, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan myself. But the song Look What You Made Me Do was on there. And man, is that just the perfect Catra album. Are you familiar?
0: I am. I actually quite like Taylor Swift. Yeah.
1: So the, in this music video, all of the like background dancers for one part are wearing cat masks, even. And there's lyrics that uh, capture this idea that the singer has a grudge and it's well earned because she's the only person who really knows what the other person is like, and the world moves on, but all she is thinking of is karmic revenge, and she says, I got mine, and now you'll all get yours. Uh, It's so Catra to the point where there's that bridge, and it's like, uh, (laughs) the old Catra can't come to the phone right now because she's dead. And I just imagined that line like with her pulling on the leather jacket. Like, yep i see exactly what why this character was made it's a good pick
0: i am looking at the playlist now yeah the 80s rock is strong we got separate ways by journey i do anything for love but i won't do that but meatloaf actually from the 90s but sounds very 80s um what's up of course by four non-blondes a a mainstay on my Shira playlist as well i mean it's just a lot of like pop and synthy stuff and like Yeah, it's great. Man, Noelle, if you ever just want to come talk about music, I would love that. The
1: two biggest surprises on this playlist for me, which I'm not sure I can explain, are No Scrubs by TLC and Halo by Beyonce.
0: Those stood out to me as well. I, I mean... You know, in a show about princesses, you have to represent the queen, right?
1: I guess. Maybe that's what they were going hmm. for. It's the closest I, It's the closest I've heard to it making sense.
0: The thing that stands out most to me on here, if we're being honest, is Africa. <laughs> which, a 22-year-old co-worker of mine, when we were cleaning, closing down one night, that song came on and she skipped it. Because she's like, this song is a meme. And I... I get what she's saying because the fucking Weezer and like everyone thinks that song is like a joke. I love that, I love song, that song, and I'm glad too. that no, right? It's good. Some things
1: become memes because they're good and people like them.
0: Exactly, exactly right. Anyway, the the harmonies. God, if you're a singer, like you got to listen to the three part harmony in that chorus. It's basically I don't get it. It's like magic how they pull that off. It it's fucking wild. Anyway um her playlist is really good and i appreciate uh tom writing in to talk about it
1: yeah thank you tom and we'll get to a couple more fan letters as we move through this last part well not last part this is a significant part to be continued to your heart thanks for listening to she progressive of power if you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com progressiveofpower.